Hello, everybody. Thanks for checking out localjobnetwork.com radio. You've stumbled upon the LJN Radio Quad, where our radio hosts gather to share their thoughts, ideas, and perspectives on all topics employment-related. I'm Tim Muma, and joining me in the quad today is Lynn Molitor. Hi, everyone. Jacqueline Peterson. Hello. And Liz Dotson. Hello, hello. Now, our topics today are a little all over the map, I would say, which is actually a good thing because we can touch on a number of different topics and also reach pretty much anyone listening to this episode, no matter what stage they're at in their professional career. And before we get into that, we want to inform our listeners out there that you can follow us on Twitter. Find us at the LJN. You can use the hashtag LJN Radio. And there you can tweet your favorite piece of information from today's quad and we'll give you a Starbucks gift card to our favorite tweet. Now, on to the topics at hand. Jacqueline, I want to start with you as your topic does relate to communication, which of course, all people in all walks of life can benefit from. Tim, it's not what you say, okay? It's how you say it. (laughs) All right. I'll note that. (laughs) So that's the topic I want to talk about today Um, in a nice way. It's not (laughs) what we say. It's how we deliver the message. And I try to instill that, you know, in my team members and how I communicate with, like, my friends and my family and at home. But it's not always easy. And when you're working with different people on different teams and different departments, it can get tricky because you really want to maybe share your opinion and express it. Um, But sometimes it doesn't always come out the right way and you have to sort of take a step back and say, okay, how do I say this so that it's effective? And I just wanted to talk to you guys about any sort of tips that you guys have when providing feedback. Do you like filter yourself before you bring it out or what sort of steps do you go through? Because I have a really young team and it's new and we're all learning all the time. So I like to share tips with them. So you're talking about feedback, like, yeah, for example? Yeah, like when you're in a meeting and let's say you're reviewing something or you're giving feedback on an idea or just anything. Oh, okay. Sometimes you might be thinking, that is not a good idea. And it might come out that way. <laughs> right, yeah. But how do you filter yourself or do you filter yourself so that you can share it in a nicer way so that people are receptive but then right. also understand your point? Well, I know. <laughs> Not everybody jumping at once. <laughs> I know. It's like I understand it. We're all working on this, apparently. <laughs> Maybe we don't know if we say it the way we should be. Um, one of the things I always try to, I always try to do uh, is start with a compliment or whatever I like or maybe something that I do identify with or just appreciation of, oh, you put a lot of work into this um, and then go into the feedback, but I would say I'm a little bit more passive with feedback where I'll say, well, I was thinking maybe this or what about or what if we did this and kind of leading to what I'm trying to get to versus necessarily saying, I don't like it. Let's do something different. Okay. I like that. I think I, yeah, I hear what you're saying, Liz. I think, you know, now that I'm understanding it better, I think it depends on who I'm working with. Yeah. And I think uh, I think the same is true with people that I've been working with. You know, it's like if you're a more senior group, you're it's like a time. There's like a sense of time there. So it's like, OK, let's cut to the chase and, you know, let's get moving. But I think as I work with newer people and you're trying to mentor them along, you know, you're really trying to instill in them to lead by example. And that's where you have to you don't want them to feel bad. <laughs> So I like your approach. It's like, you know, talk about some of the positives mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, some some of the 
needs improvement types type mm-hmm. of ideas. The thing that, that I like to stress is the why. Because I think a lot of times I'll, you know, I'll be sitting in a meeting and someone will say, well, I don't like this, you know, which is fine. But it's kind of like, but what, you know, why don't you like it? What's resonating with you differently than it resonates with someone who does like it? Sure. Yeah, I like that. I, I tend to ask that question a lot. So I, think that's, <laughs> that's kinda, I, I guess I have two things and I'm uh, a little newer when it comes to management type things here. I've had some experience in other capacities, whether it be sports or just having children, I guess you could argue. Or students. Or, or teaching, correct. Um, so two things I do, and I, I think one is is maybe, I'll call it dangerous because it sounds better, but you have to be careful with. But I like to use humor um, just to sort of keep things a little looser. I mean, look, we're all human. You messed up or I don't like something. I'll joke as to why. Uh, now, I say you have to be careful, of course, as with anybody, because if they don't know you and they don't get that you're just making a joke about it or you're not clear that, hey... It's fine, but you know, we want to go in this direction. Or you're not funny. That's a good point. <laughs> that would be me. Not <laughs> funny at all. That's me okay. too. <laughs> you know, no I get, gets... It's knowing yourself as well as knowing your audience. <laughs> um, but I think that is a way to sort of, um, you know, Liz, you referred to um, kind of softening it a little bit the way you did. And I see humor as being a little bit in that way. And obviously, if you're talking a major issue, then you you wouldn't in those cases. But if you're day-to-day kind of feedback with your your team or even a colleague or whatnot, I think you're good there. The other thing I like to do, and I've heard different kind of uh, suggestions with this, is I like to say there was a mistake made or something, you know, they weren't sure on. I like to sort of say, hey, I've done that exact same thing and put it on me and say, it happens. You know, I've been there. Um, I like that. I've done it when when I was teaching with kids who didn't get something. I'll say, well, you know, I never understood this part. You know, so you struggle with this. That's fine. Let's move forward. Um, So, again, I I just try to look at it as a way to sort of humanize things a little bit and and say, hey, it's, you know, we understand where we want to go. I don't I want you to do well, but I don't expect perfection by any means. And hey, I mess up, too. So uh, I guess those are the two things I would say that I do think help maybe lessen that blow of what would be criticism in a lot of cases. Good. I like you. I like that. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, you, you don't want to give us anything? No, I, I I was asking for help. So. <laughs> oh, so you have nothing? Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, I think that I think that it I think that it makes good sense. I think one of the things that sticks out, Lynn, is the why part because a lot of times, you know, I know why, but I don't always explain why, and then I forget that the other mm. people don't know why. So. <laughs> I don't. Sometimes I wait till people ask me for the why versus just offering it from the get go, and I think that that's probably helpful. Probably to include here's why we do it this way. Yeah, because I think a lot of times people don't ask the why either. True. Sometimes you know it's kind of like, oh, I wonder why they didn't ask me why. <laughs> Jim's <laughs> asking why. Right? I ask why. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like he's asking you all the time. Yeah, Jacqueline probably. I appreciate it. Really? Yes. All right. Wow. Well, and you did say your team is young, and you didn't have any caveats there. So ah, thank you. <laughs> I will say part of it's nonverbal too. So in the way you say it, it's not just your tone yes. and your phrasing, oh. but I think a lot of it comes Good down point. to your nonverbal cues. Your facials too. too. Yeah. If well, you're smiling and telling them you don't like it, they might react better. <laughs> Touche, Liz. Well, they say, That's don't good. they say like 80% of communication is body language? Yeah. yeah. They also say 74% of statistics are made up. So, <laughs> so 6%. <laughs> yeah, you're on work. fire today, too. Thank you. But I'm ching. All right. Well, we'll move past that portion, but it does kind of lead into the subject I had in mind. Uh, and it's just when you're looking to hire someone and you're the one conducting interviews, so maybe you're... Uh, you know, leading that project or you're, uh, you know, you're hiring in hiring in some capacity. 
what questions do you like to hear from the candidate? You know, oftentimes at the end, you give them that opportunity. Hey, what, what do you want to know about us or what questions do you have? Um, and I was just curious for the three of you, what you would like to hear them ask. And for, and for whatever reason, it might be because you want to know if they did research or if they just think in a different way. Um, the the one that, that just stood out to me quickly that I've done, uh, just seen in, in researching for stories, was asking, you know, what would what do people struggle with here? What is the biggest challenge here? So it could be culture related. It could be, um, it could be technology related. Uh, we have a new hire recently that that was where her struggles were to start. Um, so that's something I would like to hear as a question, but I was curious as to maybe where any of you have gone with that or would think would be a good question. I love your topic, Tim. You. I'm I like, Jacqueline, it. did you put him up to this? No, I didn't. <laughs> He's a forward thinker on his own. Oh. This is like one of my pet peeves. <laughs> But one of my pet peeves is when we're interviewing, and Jacqueline and I just got done interviewing, it's the people who have, like, no questions. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, have some questions and prove to me, give some indication, like, by written notes in front of you that you do have questions, you know, versus kind of dreaming them up on the spot. Mm -hmm. Why is that important? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> to show you're engaged and that you've prepared for the interview and that you want to work there. Is that good? Yeah. That was <laughs> well, good. that is why. I mean, the, the employer wants to know, does this person understand, like, the duties of the job? Are they really interested? And if you don't have a follow-up questions, you're letting the employer fill in the blanks. So well, it, I think the questions should yield to things that you can't get from a job description necessarily. So mm-hmm. that you've actually thought about the position in the company more than just what's on paper that you should already have the answer to. So for me personally, one of the questions I absolutely love, and now I'm usually involved in hiring for sales. So one of the things I love when people ask, and this applies to any position though, is the people who are successful in this position, why are they successful or what do they do or what does it take to being successful? Because they already have a vision in their head they want to do well. They want to right. perform. They want to be a top leader. And I love it. So that's one of my favorite questions, especially anything around the position, anything um, in more detail that they want to know, because it just seems like they're engaged. They truly want to know what is it going to be like doing this role? That was actually on my list, Liz. Oh, <laughs> yes. So I would agree with you. It's applicable to various roles. The other one that I had that I liked is what are you looking for in a candidate? Yeah, because that tells me that they are envisioning themselves in the role and that they want to make this work somehow, some way. So they're already that one step ahead thinking. And so that's important in in addition to what makes a person successful in this role. My question is, tell me what a typical day is like start to finish in the job. (laughs) Because what I find is, you know, we ask all these like interview type questions Mm -hmm. and um, you get you get the idea what the job is about, but you're, you know, it's hard to assess if the person being interviewed truly understands what they're applying for. And then if a manager has a chance to actually talk about beginning to end, then it starts to connect dots for um, for the person. Right. I think you bring up a good point, Lynn. Like, it's hard to ask that question. You know, that question's not difficult to ask, but to gauge if the job candidate understands the duties of the job. Right. And actually, um, that's one thing that I really dig at. Like, does this person really get what this job is all about? And I actually wrote that down. Do you understand the job? <laughs> because that's a huge thing for employers. I know that our, our new hire that's um, about to start in a, in a couple weeks 
I would talk to him about like, here's the requirements of the job and here's where you're. And he's like, I get it. What I'm sensing from you is that Dials is going to be really important. And I assure you, I can do that. Like it clicked for him. Oh, that was him. nice. Yeah. And it was just like, I was like, okay, he does get it. Whereas some people you talk to and they're like, you know, yeah, yeah, the job description looks great. I don't really have any questions. And you're like, <laughs> what do you think you're going to be doing? Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, you know, he picked up on what I was trying to stress really well. And he he's like, I get exactly what you're trying to say here. And I was like, okay, all right. He gets <laughs> Good it. thing we hired him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and I think to all your points, you know, have some questions in mind ahead of time, of course. And Lynn, you brought up also during the course of that conversation, which is what it should be with that interview, jot down some notes. If something is brought up, maybe it's a term you don't know. Um, but just to all of you, as you mentioned, just be engaged and really show that you want that position. Yes. Have at least a few questions to ask at the end, please. <laughs> right. Right. All right. Right. All right. So let's say that uh, interview goes well and that candidate gets the job. He or she might now be working remotely and maybe a few other colleagues are doing that as well. Liz, I'm wondering if you can help us out with that. Thank you for that smooth transition. Uh, <laughs> my topic was teleconferencing and tips because it is becoming more prevalent where people are working remotely. And even here, we do have people working remotely. <laughs> Jacqueline, every now and then. <laughs> yes. A couple days a week. That's so right. um, I thought you could probably contribute quite a bit to this. And so um, we do have several meetings where we do have people teleconferencing. And so I thought, why not talk about what makes it effective and maybe some do's or don'ts? So any initial thoughts out there? Yeah, I have some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this is a Jacqueline topic. Yeah, I'll just sit back and listen. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, I thought the article did a really nice job of saying, like, be prepared. So if you're scheduling the conference call, you know, have an agenda, send it out ahead of time, let people have time to look through it. And if you are going to be connecting with someone who is going to be attending via telephone or whatnot, maybe it's just a couple people or maybe it's the entire, send out with the agenda all the attachments so that the person can follow along. Some resources out there now you can share screens and that's really nice because that you know exactly where the person is at all times. But I would say having the agenda ready to go and any attachments is definitely, definitely key. Um, I, I thought this was sort of common sense, but maybe it's not. You know, have a quiet space if you're the person telecommuting. Nobody wants to hear your dog barking in the background or, you know, noise going on. I mean, I I'm work from home by myself, so that's not an issue and I don't have animals. Um, but I, I thought it was weird that it was pointed out in the article and I was like, that's sort of a common sense, but maybe it's not. So make sure that you're obviously engaged, you're not distracted and you're, you're you know, you're paying attention. I think going off of what you said with the the noise, another thing it mentioned in there was when you're not speaking to put yourself on mute. Because you might think, I think what happens, people get comfortable and they don't think you can hear those background noises and uh, even the little things that might pop up or just rustling around or maybe you slam your coffee cup on the desk and all those things can be very distracting. And of course, when you need to speak, remember to unmute yourself. But I, I think just having sort of that common courtesy and being aware of your surroundings that look especially with a lot of the technology that we end up using today with headsets and even like the video conferencing, um, you know, it, it's it's pretty high tech and it works really well. It's going to pick up on all those little things. And um, along with that, if you are doing it you know, via video, like say it's Skype or something, uh, same thing. Make sure you're in a room that doesn't <laughs> have like distractions behind you or I don't know, a fish swimming around in your aquarium. I, just again, be aware of your surroundings. <laughs> Treat it like you are in the office because uh, you know, obviously there are certain things of etiquette and rules in the office, and that's supposed to be an extension of that when you're at home or 
uh, wherever you might be doing this. So I, I would just just be aware always of what you're surrounded I think by. that I think Tim brings up a really valid point. If you're going to be telecommuting, teleworking, whatever you want to call it, it is an extension of your office environment. So you should treat it just as professionally. And I've been doing it for a couple of years. And I think that that's why it's been so successful is because I do have a routine in place. And I, and I very much have it office set up. So it's it's not like I'm sitting on my sofa in front of the TV. <laughs> oh. I mean, I have a desk. A That's chair. always where I envision you when I talk to you. <laughs> With a you noisy know. fish in the aquarium. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think I think that I think that's what's gonna make it successful is if you treat it like it's an extension of your office, it's it it's you're going to um, naturally engage it as such. And then it's just easier. I haven't really had any problems. I mean, it's been a few years and, and I haven't heard any complaints. So. No. <laughs> and, then, and then when you hang up, then hop back in your PJs, jump oh, into bed, okay. throw the laptop, right, yeah. TV, then you're good. That's right. Now, Lynn, right. you've hosted just a kidding, lot of meetings where we have people teleconferencing. So do you have any? Well, I think the interesting thing is um, sometimes, you know, people... Uh, it, it, in Jacqueline's case, she's got a telecommuting schedule. But in other cases here, some people telecommute occasionally because they're visiting another office. So in terms of planning, uh, the importance of planning is you have to make sure everyone realizes that, okay, <laughs> normally everyone is physically in the room mm-hmm. for this meeting. Well, today, you know, some people are going to be gone. So you need to do your prep work early to Jacqueline's point with um, getting the handouts and flyers done ahead of time because sometimes they're hot off the presses. So you have to do a little more advanced planning. But, you know, Liz, I found your the article that you shared with us interesting because the person had said to sometimes make your meetings shorter and more effective because as you stare off into space, mm. you can tend to zone out. And I was going to ask Jacqueline about that because <laughs> la- a couple of weeks ago I was working um, from our D.C. office, so I was in a telecommute meeting. And I had to say I wasn't, you know, I didn't check email. I didn't do that. But I was literally sitting in my cube looking at a wall. <laughs> and I was like, I was getting antsy. And I'm like, mm-hmm. if I was in the room, I could sit there for two hours. Right. So I didn't know, Jacqueline, if that resonated with you or that doesn't even. No, I, I you know, I, normally when I'm telecommuting, it's it's usually with team meetings that I'm either leading or have oh. some sort of like active role in. Oh, so I really yeah. have to be on my A game of following yeah. along offering feedback. I'm usually not at a teleconference meeting where I'm just one of 10. Uh, so no, I yeah. really have to, I really have to be on my A game. <laughs> well, and maybe that's something for those that are, are leading it where they have someone who's telecommuting is have, I mean, not just to cater to them necessarily, but have some sort of visual aid where you do have to be looking at something, whether it's a document or a graphic of some kind, yeah. just to to help in that regard. I mean, you can't always do that. I understand. But um, but that's a good point. You're, you're not used to just sitting, staring at nothing while listening to someone. You bring up a good point, though, because if we we have the feature where we can share our screen mm-hmm. with people, and even though I might get all the handouts ahead of time, I still do request them to share their screen with me oh, because okay. I like to follow along with exactly what they're looking at, even yeah. though I have the documents myself. Right. Mm-hmm. And that does help. All right. Well. I think a good Thank number you. of tips there. Yeah. Did you did you want to add any of your own advice? No. No. Right. I I did have to laugh because um, to Lynn and I, if someone cracks a joke and busts the group up with laughter, let the others know who said and repeat right. the joke. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So Lynn, if we right. start throwing jokes out, we got to make I, sure someone explains it. Right. And we'll have to preface it. This was a joke. <laughs> 
All right. Well, we are going to have to switch gears a little bit here, but I think it's uh, definitely a topic worth touching on. It does uh, really apply to everybody, and I'm sure some people struggle with this at times. Uh, Lynn, why don't you fill us in what we're talking about? So um, the whole dynamic of tipping, I think uh, years ago on the quad, we probably talked about tipping, but I thought it was just something good to bring up. Um, just any tips you have for, for tipping? When is it appropriate? Who, um, you know, I think the, the common thing with tipping is uh, wait staff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know like for me personally, a number of years ago, I did not realize that wait staff does not get tip in most states. They don't get a minimum wage. Right. They they are getting a wage that is quite a bit less, and the tips are supposed to supplement that. And, you know, it's like, what are some of the do's and don'ts that you have? Who do you tip? Who don't you tip? I have to say your article actually helped me because we recently just got new flooring done. <laughs> and the whole discussion between my husband and I was, do we tip? How much do we tip? What do we do? And so the article helped me, and we obviously tipped because he did a fantastic job. Oh, that was good. one of those easy ones where tipping is so easy to do when you feel like you got exactly what you wanted yes. or it was just a great experience. Yeah, that's that's something key for me. I mean, going back to the kind of the wait staff, because I think that's most people a scenario you're in. Um, you know, my wife and I usually typically just in our minds are thinking, okay, we're giving 20%, provided yep. they're doing their job right efficiently yeah. or well. Um, it would take a lot for us probably to go too much below that. Although I still, I still have more of a feeling like, you know, you are working for this tip, you know, you need this. I'm not saying you have to like go crazy and be incredible, but you know, just general politeness and doing your job. Now, if they definitely go over the top and, and they're just, you know, they're, they're engaging with you or they, they do something special for you, then, you know, bump it up and, and give them that, I think that opportunity, but um, the tough one for me is always with like valets or, you know, at a hotel maybe, or even at a restaurant, I never really am really, I don't, I'm not really sure where to go with that. And I often, we often don't have actual cash. So then I was like, how does this work? So that's something where I would definitely oh. use an article that you brought up or find another sort of etiquette piece to, okay, what, what's kind of the typical setup here? Because I don't do that very often. Um, but Liz, to your point, when, when you get the service you're looking for, whatever, it, it's, it, it seems to be easy. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that moral dilemma of, okay, I know that they, this is important to them, but they didn't really do their job. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be that person. And yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if I really helped anybody there more than just kind of got that off my chest. <laughs> no, it's quite all right. <laughs> no, I, I, I looked at this and I realized I'm an over tipper, but that's okay. That's okay. Wrong. I think it's There's better a... to be an overtipper. Yeah. Than yeah. Over-tipper. yeah, yeah. I was looking at this. I was like, really? Only? <laughs> I'm totally an overtipper. Um, but I think that it's helpful too. I mean, they are obviously working and hard and or or hardly working. No, I'm just kidding. But they are working hard, and it is important to recognize that, especially if they're not getting the minimum wage pay. I mean, that's something that we we need someone to do that job. So mm-hmm. it's important that they get recognized for that. Yeah, I found it interesting. So this article I had shared with all of you um, and actually had some comments on the bottom, which I found really (laughs) enlightening. Um, But it was interesting because one person had said, well, how am I supposed to tip during a tough economy? And I can understand that that would be a hard dilemma. Um, You know, if you're if you're going out to dinner and it's, you know, a treat because maybe you can't afford to go out. But then, I mean, you do have to remember that tipping for good service, that is like an expectation. And that's how 
the wait staff gets compensated. Right. So it is a hard dilemma. But again, I kind of bring the topic up because when I was younger, I didn't really understand the importance of the tip. I thought it was just like a bonus <laughs> add-on. And in a lot of cases, it is. It is right. But for, you know, waits, waiters, wait staff, that's like part of their, they're not like getting, they're like just getting to the the minimum. They're not like getting a bonus unless they're really good. Well, and if you frequent that place or if you need floors again, Liz, or whatever the situation is, they're going to remember you and they're going to give you <laughs> that service. I mean, I feel like it's building rapport. Yes. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. No more floors for me. No. I still don't have furniture in our house. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> but yeah, ten years. <laughs> and, and I would say, just in general, when someone is doing like a service for you, I think just you know to be polite. And, and again, as Jacqueline brought up, somebody's got to do those jobs, and we're fortunate enough that you know we don't have to be. That's not in, us, right? We don't have to do that. Right. And also, especially when you're if it's with food, I would be very uh, <laughs> nice to them before you get your food because yes, I'm not saying it happens a lot, but. Uh, you know, stuff happens. I'm just going to throw it out there for people. I love all the wait staff I have <laughs> that I that I interact with. And you try to connect with them on Facebook? Oh, wait. No. <laughs> they try and connect with me. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> all right. Well, unfortunately, we are up as far as our time goes today. But I do think we had some really good discussions on a number of topics, as always, uh, for all of our quads. I think we hit on a lot of nice tips and strategies for individuals that are interested in some of these topics. Of course, we always want to hear from you to learn more about uh, what you're interested in. Just send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Let us know what you would like us to chat about next time. And again, as we mentioned at the top, if you are on Twitter, go ahead and follow us at the LJN. You can also use hashtag LJNRadio to tweet your favorite piece of information from today's quad. And we will give you a Starbucks gift card for our favorite tweet. For Lynn Molitor, Jacqueline Peterson, and Liz Dotson, I'm Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.